March 5th, 2020, Nanaimo, British Columbia. I am pleased to welcome Nanaimo, British Columbia, and Sir Oxman Stadium to play host to the 13th team in the West Coast League. Nanaimo Baseball, from the coal mines of Douglas in East Wellington, to number six in Jingle Pot, from Departure Bay to Nanaimo Harbor, Gabriola, Wellington, Cassidy, and Extension. This is their story. This is Cobalt. Welcome everyone again to another inning of Coal Ball. And in this inning, we are featuring Nanaimo's own Josh Bergman. And Josh, um, thank you for uh, participating in this project. And it's good to have you. Absolutely, man. I'm absolutely honored to be part of this and uh, can't, wait to, can't wait to have a good conversation. Yep. So let's jump into that conversation. Um, I had sent you, well, check that. I'm going to delete that little part. Really want to start by talking about early baseball for you. Uh-huh. And we're not just talking about you playing, but let's talk about that interest that that sparked for you um, uh-huh. in in baseball and being like watching it. Can you describe that for me? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, where it all sparked is, um, uh, it's actually kind of a funny story. My, my dad had this, uh, video tape. Now that we all don't have that, we have Netflix nowadays, but it was old VCR tape that we had plugged into our house. So kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I had a videotape of the 1993 Toronto Blue Jays World Series, uh, run there when they won on the, the second year that they won when they played the Phillies and Joe Carter hit the game winning walk-off home run and kind of from there that's kind of where my love for the game sparked I kind of saw those guys and how they celebrated with each other it's such a special team and I kind of saw myself like hey I want to be there one day like I want to be I don't want to get uh, I don't want to be in Mitch Williams situation where I get a walk-off home run hit off against me I want to be the guy in the ninth inning throwing a complete game and winning the world series you know I mean it's just kind of from there that's where the love of the game really sparked for me and 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 just a very obviously being Canadian team is very relatable for me being a Canadian kid like wanting to play on the Blue Jays and and wanting to win the World Series for the Blue Jays again but yeah just kind of from there is where it really really took off for me now is are the Blue Jays the Canadian team because you know I mean I know that they had Montreal there um, mm-hmm. for you know many years but why why the Blue Jays I think just just because Montreal hasn't been around for so long and and kind of growing up, that's kind of what we watched, right? So 
uh, being a kid, younger kid, I guess, it's just growing up watching the Jays was kind of just a normal thing coming home uh, from school at four o'clock because Eastern Pacific time, it was seven o'clock Eastern time for them. So coming home at four o'clock, watching the Jays play, watching so many great players, so many uh, players playing for the Jays and against the Jays, especially playing in the AL East, like they have such good competition. So yeah, I think just from there, just every day, it was on TV every day. So just having that exposure to what was deemed as Canada's team, I think is really why I really dug into the Blue Jays. Describe for us your first memory of starting to play baseball itself and getting into the game. Um. I think a lot of my first memories were playing catch with my dad. Just, I remember we, he bought me my first glove and we would all the time, just me and him would play catch constantly. Like people would be asking if we ever would stop. I remember all the time we were just going, I I would ask my dad, let's go play catch. Let's go play catch. Let's go play catch. Um, Just constantly. And that's kind of not necessarily in the game, but just kind of the whole baseball playing catch was related to, 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 for me starting it so I think that was that was probably the biggest part for me it was just playing catch with my dad and and that having that fun and that relationship with my dad was just great would I be correct in saying maybe your dad was probably one of your big your bigger influences early on in baseball um, yeah, for sure. I mean, he never played the sport, but he definitely, he, he liked the Jays. He liked watching the game as much as I did. He was in depth with the game as much as I was and, and had that passion for the game just from, from a watching standpoint. And, and also probably me growing up through the stages and growing up and becoming better and better and better. And kind of as grow up every, every level, he got more interested and more interested and more interested. And yeah, he's just, a, he's a diehard fan now. And he, he, he he's hating right now with the with the COVID going on because he would be loving to watching games. He, they were gonna, my parents were going to come down to spring training in Arizona actually this year. So yeah, they're they're a little bummed out by it. But yeah, no, he for sure has been has been an influencer for me just because of those early memories of playing catch together and out in the backyard and stuff. So growing up in Nanaimo in British Columbia. Um, you know, Pacific Northwest, a lot of the time is known for rain. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about what it's like playing baseball in Nanaimo and growing up there. Um, it was very, it was very cool because um, people. I don't think people understand is that a lot of these. What is a technically a smaller city? I guess. Um, very in depth with their local sports teams. Like they're very passionate about their local sports teams. So um, for us being on at any level that I was playing at, there was always those people in the community that were supporting us and always cheering us on. So it was, it was a very, very community orientated. Um, so it was very nice in that regard to having that support through everybody. And um, just, I mean, and from the from the weather standpoint, that never really bothered bothered us. I mean, that's kind of what the norm was. You know, sometimes you get rain, sometimes you get cold days at the early part of the season, and then you kind of you kind of wait for those days in the summer where it's just beautiful and it feels like baseball season. But um, 
yeah, I think just the whole community was very in-depth with the local sports teams, whether it be any sort of sports team, but definitely baseball for sure. We had a lot of support. Walk me through like what it, what a year looks like in, in the baseball world starting from January through December. Um, in terms of the baseball side, so for me growing up, I played – so the year was broken up basically into two seasons. So in the wintertime, uh, probably fall and wintertime growing up, it was hockey. I played hockey from September till end of February, early March. And then end of March is kind of when we started to transition back into baseball. March, April, kind of trained for a few weeks. And then season would come again. So through the spring and all of the summer. So that's kind of how everything fell for me personally. Um, for other people that maybe didn't play uh, hockey or another sport in the fall, a lot of times they would – they would have uh, some winter training, but I felt like I was staying in shape and uh, by playing hockey. And I liked that playing, breaking it up when I was younger of playing two sports. It really helped me and in my mindset and everything. What's the baseball culture like in Canada and on the Island, as opposed to um, when we're going to get into this later, as opposed to where you're at right now, which is when you're playing in the States um, on a professional level? Uh, it's just very – I feel like when you think about professional baseball, you think about a broad, wide spectrum, a lot of different variables to it and a lot of different people to it, whereas I feel like baseball in Canada, baseball on the island, baseball BC, whatever, um, you think of it as very big because it's a whole country, it's a whole province, it's a whole island. But honestly, it's so tight knit. Like there's so many connections within the game that are just it's everybody's really rooting for each other. Everybody's close with each other. Not that people aren't doing that in professional baseball. It's just it feels like a really big family. It's a really close community for Baseball Canada, Baseball BC, Baseball on Vancouver Island. Everybody's really in it together and, and everybody wants to see everybody succeed. Not saying professional baseball doesn't. Again, it's just that it just it's got that more big family vibe to it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's dive a little bit more into that culture in Nanaimo baseball. Um, to me, doing all this research and, and looking into everything and hearing everything that I have heard really feels like it's, it, it's kind of like the Texas version of Friday Night Lights football. Everybody's going. Everybody's into it. Yeah. Um, very popular. Mm-hmm. Describe that Absolutely. feeling for you. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Especially growing up as a young kid. Um, I remember you go through these, you go through their levels of playing like age groups, right? So at the younger age, you're watching these older guys and they're getting these great crowds at these, these senior pirate games and you go and watch it and man, it's just electric. Like it's it, like you said, it feels like Friday night lights and, and it's just, it's so cool. Like, um, and then finally, as you grow up, you grow up, your, your aspirations are f- to play in those games. And then you finally get there. And it's just it's just a really, really cool feeling. And being being from the community, being a longtime player through all the programs and then being part of that top program and, and playing in front of that many people and that many supporters, it's very surreal. And, and definitely a, definitely something that's worth – worth getting after and and it makes those days in the winter and and the cold days it makes it all better when you're there in august and playing in front of sometimes thousands of people like it's it was crazy it was crazy it was unbelievable when you first started playing ball 
what was the position that you wanted to play and, and what, where did you end up playing at at that time? I was always drawn to the mound uh, for some reason, always on the pitcher's mound. I mean, I did play in the field. I played shortstop, a little bit of third base. I caught a little bit when I was younger, but as I kind of grew up and it was always the mound, like I was always wanting the ball, wanting to have control over the game. Um, good, good or bad outcome. I always, always wanted to be that guy that was on the mound, uh, finishing, throwing complete games, throwing whatever, you know, I just wanted to be the guy that was kind of leading the charge. I don't know, for, per se. And so, yeah, I was always drawn to the mound always. What was your earliest coach like for you and, and how, what was their leadership style like? And what do you, what have you used from that to, to take you to the next level? Um, so probably the first coach I had a, when I was from the age of probably 10 to 13 years old, I had a personal pitching coach that I would go to every week. And his name was Brian Dumesnel. He was a, he played pro ball as a left-handed pitcher, a very good lefty. Um, he taught me a lot of like great things, like, not just yeah he taught me the mechanics side of things and from a young age I always had pretty good mechanics so he didn't really sh he didn't really mess around with that much he more of what he taught me was like the mentality of the game and how to have fun with the game and try and it, like failure is part of the game that's probably one of the big things I learned from him that I kind of look back on it when I was a kid I was like oh well I'm a, I don't want to fail like I always want to succeed I always want to be the best and I always still want to be the best but what I, what he taught me and, and I realized years now is that that failure is such a huge part of the game and how you deal with that failure is going to determine your success. And he just taught me that that was a big thing he taught me. And I, I run into him from time to time, whenever I'm in Nanaimo and I go to the, go to Srocksman or go to the ball diamond, whenever there's an alumni game or something, I see him and I always thank him for one when I was younger and he taught me those things because I wouldn't have been here without him. And it, it's, it's crazy to think because I was eight years ago, whatever it was now. And I was 12 at the time and eight, nine, 10 years ago, almost now. And yeah, like I said, I was 12 at the time and you don't think of it much then, but when you look back on it now, you think of, wow, that had such a profound impact on where I'm at now. So you're, you know, you had this pitching coach for, you know, a, a few years mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what, what, what types of things were you working on at that moment? Like on pitching, you know, was it your, you know, how, how your, the ball's coming out of your hand, different types of pitches. Like what was it that you were working on with the, with the pitching coach? Yeah. At that time being such a young age, it wasn't really a whole lot of advanced stuff. It was more about like just arm slot and, and just keeping staying athletic through my, my mechanics and, not worrying about velocity or breaking balls or anything like that. It was more of just developing the comfortability on the mound, comfortability through the mechanics and making sure that you have consistency in that, in your mechanics and feeling comfortable on the mound that you can, you can do it for a long period of time and you don't get tired very quickly. So I think it was more about just creating that consistency through my, through my mechanics and through the motion. I had read, um, on the internet doing some research you had said at one time uh a pitching coach had told you the batter does not know what pitch is coming so if he does not know and you throw a bad pitch and you react the bet the batter knows you are not confident in that pitch 
and it equates to other aspects of the game. Is this the same pitching coach that taught you that? Uh, no, that was another one. That was um, when I was at the Vauxhall Academy here, our pitching coach there, Les McTavish. He taught me that. He said, I mean, if you don't have conviction in the pitch that you're throwing, I mean, then you're, if he knows, if he knows you don't have conviction in it, then he, he, you got him. He's got you. If you throw a pitch in it, even if it's a pitch that you don't like, but you have conviction in it and he's thinking, Oh man, like he meant to do that. He's got me. And that's kind of the mentality you want to get to. And that wasn't the same guy, but another pitching coach that I had that was a great pitching coach and a lot taught me a lot of great things and things that I still take with me. Okay. Um, I, I saw that your first, you know, big memory of baseball was winning the Canadian Western championship in the seventh grade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about um, how one, how would you get on the Canadian Western Canadian team? And two, what was that experience like? Well, for us, we were hosting that, the Canadian Westerns that year. So the way that works is that there's always so a team from each province, from the Western provinces, so BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, whoever wins their provincial tournament, they get to go automatic, they get to go to the Westerns. So we were hosting it that year. So the host automatically gets into bid. So in provincials, we finished, I think it was third or fourth that year. So, but we automatically got to go to Westerns because of hosting. So very cool, very cool experience. You know, we picked up a, there was the team that ended up winning was a team from Abbotsford from NBC. And they basically took all the best kids from this Cloverdale and Abbotsford were the top two programs at that time for our age groups. So they basically combined a super team together brought them over to Nanaimo and they basically were expecting to run, run the show and, and win it all. And so we, we were allowed to pick up a few kids. So we picked up a few kids from uh, the Vancouver area. And then we picked up a kid from Nanaimo, um, another kid from Nanaimo that is now a professional hockey player. He's a good friend of mine, Dylan Coughlin. Um, but anyway, very cool story. We basically had a bunch of, uh, it was basically a band of misfits and, and just grinders, and we we ended up uh, making it to the final, playing the Abbotsford Cloverdale mixed team, and we beat them in the final like eight seven nothing or yeah I think it was seven nothing. I pitched that game through seven innings, two hitter, ten Ks. I still remember that game like it was no tomorrow. I remember throwing that last pitch. It was a high fastball to one of their kids, and there was I for a pee wee game, thirteen years old. I I would estimate around maybe a good 3,500 to 5,000 people were there. Like we had the whole, there was a whole berm in the back that was filled up. There was a concession thing or there was like a patio that was all filled up with people. We had two grandstands in the outfield uh, behind the fence that were filled up. Everything, all the fence along each, each first base and third base side was filled up with people. Every, the whole outfield was filled up with people. Like I swear there was, 3,000 to 5,000 people there. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And just winning that game there was just super cool, super cool. So, so far in, in Cold Ball, we've had an episode on Siroxman Stadium and the, and the Siroxman Club. The um, Siroxman Club is uh, very popular in Nanaimo. And Siroxman, as is, if people haven't heard this um, Service auxiliary men uh, just kind of combined 
and they do all they 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 won they helped as we, as we've heard before helped build the stadium uh with mm-hmm. the money that they raised and they now the stadium has their name um talk to us a little bit about you know your view of the the Siroxman club and what you see them do for the community as a whole mm-hmm. and how important they are for the baseball community and then the second part of that is Siroxman stadium Talk to me about that, and I have a few other follow-on questions. Yeah, I mean, obviously, without without those people, without the Sroxman Club, I mean, nothing would be possible. And then I'm on with with Sroxman Stadium. You know, I've so many memories that I've had there, and so many memories that kids continue to have and are going to have in the future is because of those people. And without those people, none of that would be possible. So obviously, for the for the community itself to give them a, such a beautiful stadium and for the baseball community to give boy, give everybody a chance to play on that stadium, everybody a chance to play for the junior pirates or senior pirates. I and mean, it's just a absolutely amazing feeling without those kind of people. You, you really, you really don't realize some of the people and the impact they have. And those people, they have a huge impact on what, on what uh, structure stadium is and, and what it represents now. Now the Siroxman stadium, um, you know, there's a lot of love put into the construction of that, that stadium, you know, growing up sounded like a little bit that, you know, it's one of the places that you aimed to play as you got Absolutely. older. Yeah. Uh, describe to me real quickly, uh, you know, what was that feeling like to be able to look at it and to want to go play there early on? Uh, very cool because, you know, uh, growing up, we played on these like little small diamonds, like basic with chain link fence, you know, like basic stadiums and, and then uh, or just ballparks, really. And then we go, you go walk into the Shroxman Stadium, you're like, holy crap. Like for Nanaimo, this is, is this is as big league as it gets. Like it's a full on stadium with with dugouts and uh, locker room and batting cage and big right field fence and looks like Fenway park a little bit, you know, it's just a, a very cool, very cool stadium and very rustic looking stadium, but it's as, it's as big league as it's going to get for a kid that's 14 to 18 years old. Like it's, it's just a very, very cool stadium. Very, very surreal feeling. My first time I remember playing on that field, it's just a very, very cool feeling. Well, you're talking about it, the, the surreal feeling of, of playing at that stadium. Um, you know, tell, tell me what was the most memorable moment you had both as a player and as a spectator at the stadium? Yeah, I think as a spectator, uh, I remember one year they hosted the PBL finals there. I remember going to watch and they were in it. I don't know if they ended up winning, but I just remember the how – the talent that was playing and how big and strong and physical some of these guys were, how hard they were throwing. And it just, it just, again, another one of those times where it's like, wow, I really want to be here. I want to be on this stage. I want to be pitching on that mound and I want to be doing what these guys are doing. Um, in terms of as a player, I would probably say uh, my first year I, w- I was fully playing on that stadium was with the junior pirates. So I had one game, probably my second probably my second or third game pitching there. I probably had one of my like career games in my entire career um, as a junior or senior pirate in terms of 
innings pitched, how many pitches I threw in strikeouts. I think it was like seven innings, like 15 or 16 strikeouts. And I threw like 90 pitches or 80 something pitches. It was just insane. Like definitely one of my more memorable games that I can remember. In, in the city of Nanaimo, what are the, what are the levels of, of baseball that you go through and at what ages? So, uh, you kind of start with uh, mosquito, or I guess coach pitch. You go through coach pitch. So you're like five, six years old, and then mosquito. I think seven, eight, nine, and then peewee, which is ten, eleven, twelve, and maybe thirteen. I don't know if it's four years or not. Coach pitch might have been yeah six, seven. Peewee was eight, nine, ten, and then yeah, uh, peewee was. 11, 12, 13 years old, and then you go to Bantam. You can choose either go to Bantam or go play Junior Pirates. So I played Bantam Pirates for one year, my eighth grade year, so I was 14. And then I went and played Junior Pirates my ninth grade year in when I was 15. What's the difference between Bantam and Junior Pirates? Uh, different. Uh, you're on the – Bantam is still – I think it's like uh, you're pitching from 55 or 58 feet or something like that um 56 feet maybe and then junior and then junior pirates you're at full uh full 60 feet six inches and in bantam it's metal bats junior pirates are wood bat um yeah and that's those are basically the two biggest differences for those that are not living in the naimo now is are the junior pirates and senior pirates are they like a a summer ver summer program or is it like a certain, you know, it starts in the spring and goes to maybe like the late summer or something like that. Yeah. Usually for us, um, we would have our tryouts in the early part or early to mid part of spring. And then kind of as late spring starts to, that's when the season starts. Um, and then, so they would roll that through uh, until the end of August. And then now they're really starting to, they're really locked in now with the winter. They're doing a lot of more winter training now. So they're offering up, they got a new, they got an indoor facility. So they have um, fall and winter training for guys that don't have accessibility to that. And they want to keep it in, in the system, right? They don't want guys to be leaving and they want guys to be staying in Nanaimo so that they can train with each other and build a really strong team, which they did last year. And they had a lot of success last year. And I think a lot of that is attested to their, their winter training and, being together over the winter time. Before we go into my next thought, I want to, I want to go back to one of your thoughts there. You're saying that they want to keep players in the NIMO. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see, and it, it I mean, it appears to be an issue with people leaving the NIMO to go play elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Why, why, why was that? Or why is that? Oh, I wouldn't necessarily. It was just, I wouldn't say it was just Nanaimo. Uh, we did, they did a pretty good job of keeping guys there. Um, but a lot of times throughout that league, there would be a lot of players that would, especially for the Vancouver area, that would be jumping ship from some of the weaker teams. And then they would go to some of the stronger teams, which I mean, totally up to them. It's, it's their choice and what they want to do with, with their career. But it's just, for me, it was all about staying loyal to my hometown and being, being in part of, of my local team. And whenever I left to go to Vauxhall Academy during the school year, when I was in grade 10, 11 and 12, I would always come back and play in the summer for, for Nanaimo. And I could have went and played in Vancouver area or elsewhere, but I really wanted to be at home. 
and kind of be part of my hometown. So before you went to Vauxhall, um, you played for Doug Rogers, I believe. Um, is that correct? Yeah. And when I, yeah, that's correct. You played in on the pirates. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about that experience. What was Doug like as a, as a coach? What was his leadership style and how was that experience playing for the pirates at the uh, senior pirates level? Yeah. I mean, Doug's a lot of, a lot of times Doug gets a bad rap, but I mean, Doug's a really good guy. Doug's a really good coach. He's a good motivator. He knows how to get players um, moved on to the next level. He does a great job of, of teaching guys how to play the game the right way and how it is supposed to be played. And a lot of things that I learned from him were kind of more the mentality side of the game and how to, how to the ins and outs of the game and what the, uh, the, the, the rules, the unwritten rules of baseball. I got a lot from Doug and, um, you know, those are things that every player should learn and every player needs to learn. And so, I mean, I'm grateful to him for that. I mean, he's just, he's just a really good coach. He, he, like I said, he gets players motivated. He gets players moved on to the next level and he does a great job of, of mentoring young, young kids into being young men. So no, he's been a, he was a great coach for me. And, and whenever I go home, I try and see him and go to the ball diamond and, whenever he's there, I have a conversation with him, pick up his brain and, and, and just have a, you know, reflect on memories that we had in the past. So no, it's me. He was great for me and he's a great coach. One last question before we start talking about Vauxhall. Uh-huh. What's Island ball like? And the reason why I say that is because you're on, victoria island and it's you know it's its own place and you know you've you've got your communities that are essentially around the wa- around the water area mm-hmm. and based upon either coal as this is this is about coal ball you know this is coal as nanaimo um but it's about sea transportation like what around the the edge of the island what's coal what's Describe to me what island ball is like. Uh, one thing I always took away from it is always like, I would say Vancouver Island ball is always like grinder type baseball, like guys that are a little bit greasy, a little bit just grinders, you know, the, a lot of the guys that came through the program, guys that have a lot of mental toughness, a lot of, a lot of actual toughness, like physical toughness, like just guys that just know how to play the game, play the game hard play the game with a lot of integrity. Um, and if you tried to like walk all over them or walk all over your teammates, like you were going to get met with a response. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, that's how, how the game should be played. If, if, if you're disrespecting the game, then it should be, it should be met swiftly. And I mean, the guys that I played with, they were all, all great guys, great, great players. And, but they had that mental toughness and, they really love to play the game. And that's, I think, one thing about Vancouver Island players. They have that passion for the game. Sounds like a bunch of Crash Davises to me. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. They're just, just a bunch of just a bunch of grinders is the way I describe it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk. Let's jump into Vauxhall. Um, yeah, let's do it. So you, you were in, I think, your freshman year playing there in Nanaimo. And then somewhere along the line there, um, you started getting this interest from Vauxhall to go go play there. Yeah. Describe that. Like, what what was that process like for you? 
<clears throat> um, it was it was easy but difficult at the same time. It was easy because um, my coach at the time for junior pirates, so my ninth grade, so freshman year, um, his brother, his name was Kevin Inch, was my coach. His brother Stephen Inch was an alumni of Vauxhall. He was drafted by the Phillies. Was in minor league baseball at the time. Um, but he really got me connected to the coach at Vauxhall. Les McTavish told him, like, hey, I have a player here in Nanaimo. Young kid. Got some talent. We, I really strongly suggest you take a look at him. So from, from that perspective, it was super easy because of, of the connection through, through my junior coach. And um, the difficult decision was whether or not. <clears throat> so I had gotten into contact with Coach Mack and – we had gotten to talking about what the program was all about and their track record and what the town was like and what the school was like and all that sort of stuff. And the difficult decision was coming was whether or not to leave home, whether or not to leave Nanaimo, leave, leave the Pirates and, or, and kind of make that decision between hockey and baseball. It was, it was almost the underlying factor was I really liked playing hockey. I was, pretty good at hockey and I could have made possibly a career out of it but I also know I could have made a career out of playing baseball too so it had to come down to do a decision of of what was going to be best for me and best for the future of what I was going to do and the hard part was that there was no certainty with any of it you know so um, I just had to make the best choice for what I thought Um, and it, it was up to me like my my parents said like hey we're we're all in we we're supporting you and whatever you want to do. And if that means we go to Vauxhall this as a 10th grader, or we go to Vauxhall as an 11th grader, um, we're all in and, and whatever you want to do. So at the end of the day, it came out, came down to me as a 15 year old kid to make a pretty big life decision. And, you know, I think looking back on it, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I, I made a pretty good decision and, and, you know, I, I live now in Hayes, Alberta, a little, small farm town 20 minutes away from Vauxhall with my girlfriend that I met at the school at the time. So, you know, I, it worked out, it worked out really good. Describe for those that don't know, what is Vauxhall? Uh, Vauxhall is a uh, baseball academy for 22, 22 boys that want to advance their baseball careers across Canada. Um, so what, what we do is that you, you get put up in a dorm. So it's this little small farm town, 800 to 1,000 people, um, basically in the middle of southern Alberta, nowhere. And um, you're living in a dorm with, yeah, like I said, 21 other guys. And you go to the school, the local school there, and five steps out the door is the diamond. You've got batting cages, um, access to the field, access to everything. You've got the weight room attached to the dorm, which is attached to the school. So everything you need at your disposal to to be a successful baseball player is is right there and I think what people uh should really understand about this place is yeah it may not sound very flashy you know small town Alberta in the middle of nowhere but the big thing that they preach is better person better player and I certainly can say I became a better person because of that place and a better player which was a big key for me but I definitely became a a better person I learned a lot of life skills learned met a lot of great people amazing people that I still keep in contact with this to this day and and uh that I keep really good relationships with and um like that's where I train now in the winter time as I was there all this winter and all fall I was helping coach a little bit with them with the guys and 
that they have there now and, and helping. I was training with them and while I was doing my training, they were doing their training. So it was, it was really cool. And, um, but yeah, no, just a, just a really amazing experience. You wouldn't think it going to a small farm town would be a really cool experience, but it was just amazing. And I mean, it had such a profounding effect on me. I mean, I'm living here now and, 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 and I keep going back every single year and I'm training there. So yeah, no, just a, Boxo is a very, very cool place and very, very close to my heart now. Yeah, their uh, website says it's in addition to being a better person, better ball player. Uh, it says family and community first, and sure. their motto, their their motto or mission statement is the Vauxhall Academy of Baseball will strive to provide students and athletes the best coaching, training facilities in education towards fulfilling their baseball and academic dreams. Our staff in the community will partner to provide young athletes an unparalleled baseball and rural Alberta life experience. Does that hold true? Absolutely. 100%. And the big part about that is uh, the academic side of things. I think for me was a huge part, you know, I, I was an okay student before I left, um, but I became a really good student in terms of my work ethic and my work habits. And that was just huge. I would, especially for me, that was had an aspiration of going to play division, major division one baseball, you know, like that was going to be a big part. Like I had to figure out my education and figure out my work ethic from that side of things. And, and the teachers there were amazing. So but it holds true, you know, just a first-class organization, first-class place to be in with just some of the greatest coaches that I've had in my entire life. And I, don't, I think I, I'll have forever keep coming back here and forever. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hope to live here for the rest of my life because of, of the people that had such a huge effect on me here. What years did you attend Vauxhall? Would have been 2014 to 2016. And in that time – you had some pretty good uh, stuff going on. Um, you're the mem- you're a member of the Canadian Junior National Team. Yep. Uh, you went to the 2015 World Juniors in Japan. Yep. I got some stats. You had a 1.88 ERA, 16 strikeouts in 14 and a third innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Let's go into that experience. It yeah, sure. uh, didn't see much else about that in uh, looking looking up stuff for you, but talk about that experience going on in the World Juniors. Oh, it was very cool. Um, you know, being part of that program was such a, especially growing up as a young kid, you know, you're seeing everybody be part of That's It's like a lot of people don't understand that playing on the Canadian Junior National Team is a lot like hockey players playing the world juniors at Christmas for us, that was our world juniors, you know, I mean, it didn't get as much popular recognition as, as, as the hockey does, but for us, that was it. And just an absolute surreal, amazing, like experience that I, sometimes when people ask me about it, I almost can't describe it. Like it's just another feeling representing your country and on such a high level and in such a, such a highly competitive, highly, just everything it was just an absolutely amazing experience i mean uh, you're you're willing to do anything to to win because it's for your country and for for 
for people, the 22 other guys on the team, you're just willing to do anything. And just a culture, just being in Japan, being part of that culture, being part of that, that baseball frenzy country. It was just, it was just an amazing experience. I mean, I can't thank Greg Hamilton enough for giving me that experience. And I hope to represent Canada many more times, hopefully in the future. But if that doesn't happen, then I'm just grateful for that experience because it just helped my baseball career so much and helped me realize how much I love my country and how much I love playing baseball for my country. How how did you get involved with the, or, or be asked to be on the Canadian junior national team? Um, well, that's like anything, it's the selection process. So a lot of times, so the head coach, Greg Hamilton, he handpicks all the players, um, across Canada, uh, from various tournaments. There's a few select tournaments that are pretty high on the radar in terms of the junior national team, uh, evaluation process. And, um, every year, uh, through the, uh, academies, like there was a se- several academies throughout Alberta that uh, we'd have a pro day or scout day um, every February and he would come to those. So that was another, a big one. And the other one was in September, we had something called tournament 12, which was put on by Robert Alomar for all the top players from each province. Um, that was another big evaluation process. So probably through those tournaments and then one other tournament in BC that we I went to with the Academy was another big one that, happened in early part of our spring. So yeah, just, there was a few tournaments that we would go to that he would be out that He would be evaluating us. A couple other accolades and stuff that you had throughout your time. You're on the 2015 Kansas city Royals area code team. Uh-huh. How was that the experience for you? Yeah. Very cool. I mean, uh, very um, humbling experience just being part of being around so many amazing baseball players and being around so many, so much talent like on our team alone we had so much talent but then you realize playing against these other guys like a lot of first round draft picks playing like I remember we played the we played the Brewers team and Blake Rutherford first rounder Mickey Moniak first overall like just like holy man we're playing against some top level talent here Riley Pint was there he went fourth overall that year like just some amazing baseball players it was, it was really cool you were the 2016 Rawlings Perfect Game Honorable Mention on the All-American team. And you also played uh, – you're also the Canada, Canada Puerto Rico All-Region First Team. So I got to ask, Canada Puerto Rico All-Region First Team, how do you mesh the two together? I mean, Canada's up north. Puerto Rico is like way, yeah. like way south in the Caribbean. I just think they do that based on so the only people that can get drafted in the MLB draft are Canada, Puerto Rico, and uh, the U.S. players, I believe. So I think they just mesh Canada and Puerto Rico together because they're not U.S. Okay. Um, before we get off Vauxhall, I want you to describe what a day is like in the life of a Vauxhall Academy student athlete yeah very cool a lot similar to kind of what you would expect as a as a college athlete that's kind of what they're preparing you for so for us it was class at 8 30 so we get up get have breakfast go to class at 8 30 um 
you'd be in class from 8.30 till about 1.30. Uh, you'd have lunch at noon or whatever, um, which was served by, we had two chefs that would uh, make food for us. Um, so we would have food at noon and then you'd have another class of, end of class of 1.30. And then about two o'clock, we had practice outside um, for a couple hours, probably about two hours. Um, and then you come in, you probably do a workout, do a workout from, uh, so four o'clock would be in practice, probably workout from 4.30, 4.45, probably be an hour, hour and a bit workout. So you're probably done everything by 5.45, 6 o'clock. And then at that time, it's, it's supper time, so you'd eat um from 6 to 6 30 or however long you wanted to eat for um again made by two to the chefs that they had they had there and so and then after that uh so about seven o'clock until you went to bed you basically had time for homework um catching up with family um whatever you needed to do do some extra work outside a lot of guys would do that a lot of hitting uh or do some extra stuff in the in the weight room um but yeah basically a time to get your homework done, get, get all your work in that you need to get done extra work. Um, yeah. And basically, uh, do it all again the next day. Describe to me one leadership aspect of one player, um, added one player thing that you took away from Vox Hall that you still have with you today. Yeah. One guy that was a, a good friend of mine and just an amazing leader, um, was, uh, Nolan Bum said he went to, uh, he played on the Canadian Junior National Team in his time at at Vauxhall. I was only there because he was twelfth uh, grader my last year, so I only had the one season of playing with him. But had a huge impact on how I wanted to be a leader on the team for the future and wherever I went. Just he just led with so much humility and just a great leader and a great person. He he taught me so many great things: how to be a good worker. Uh, how to have that good work ethic and, and really push yourself to to the point of where you you reach your boundaries and he was just a he was just a tireless worker and a great student too he, he I learned a lot from him from being a great student so he he's one guy that he went to on to play at Cal State University Northridge was a four-year guy four-year starter for them and had a great career and he got a degree in engineering and he's gonna do a lot of great things in the world what about the coaching staff what was that like for you yeah great people amazing people um still in contact with every single one of them i mean obviously i go in there in the, in the winter time every single day basically and 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 train there and and, and talk with those guys but it just huge effect on me as a person you know i was a young 15 year old kid a little bit immature like thought i was the bee's knees and these guys really taught me how to be a humble humble young man and and just taught me so many great things. Uh, I mean, I'm so grateful to the all three of them. You know, Coach McTavish, I worked with the closest just because he was our pitching coach, and we created a really good relationship where I would almost come in to his office and we would talk every day, whether it was about family or school or baseball or whatever, and just created a great relationship with him. And he he helps me now to this day, even when I'm throwing my bullpens and throwing in the indoor. Now he still helped me and with my mechanics and, and everything that I'm learning and, and doing. So, yeah, no, he's been great for me. And the other two coaches were great. Joel Blake, who was a catching coach for them there. He just almost like a – he was like a brother for me. You know, I come back and we just – it's like we never 
never left each other. He just he's just a great guy. And the other coach there was Jim Kokus, another older guy, but just you know taught me so many great things on how to be a good man and how to be a how to be just a great person. And I learned so many great things from all three of them that I've I've taken with me and keep with me today. In 2016, and and you're at the end of your senior year. You were drafted in the 30th round yeah. of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Clearly, that's a little bit later in the uh, in the draft. But you had some clearly some other aspirations of going to Division One college baseball, yeah. where you ended up going to University of Washington, and uh, Coach Mags uh, brought you in on the team. Uh, Talk to me about that recruiting experience and what was it what it was like for you and what other schools were you looking into at the time that you were having that okay, well I'm thinking about going here and and or I want to go there. Yeah, so um for American kids it's it's very different for the recruiting process because um for them it starts very very early in a very young age. But I think for Canadian kids, it's it's very late process. Like I didn't really start taking off in the recruiting process probably until my junior year, maybe middle of my junior year. I got some offers, like like one or two offers, and it was from pretty good, like good programs. Like University of Kansas was all like they really wanted me to go there in my junior year and commit there. And um, Washington State was another program that uh, offered me late in my junior year. Um, and so it was a little bit stressful because I didn't know because I hadn't gone to a lot of these high profile um, tournaments that I hadn't really got the exposure that maybe I felt like I needed um, or I could have had that could have gotten me in different schools from across the country. But a lot of the schools that I had were mainly from like the Pacific region northwest kind of a couple california schools the only outlier was university of kansas but that was joel blake who was at Vauxhall. the coach he was went to school with one of their assistant coaches so he knew him so that was kind of the connection that we made there um um so yeah it was a little bit stressful because i didn't know I thought I was doing well. I thought I was, I thought I was worthy of, of getting these, getting some more offers, getting some more teams interested. And then I went to the area code trial and that's where things really started to kind of take off for me, like PAC 12 schools, high profile teams like University of Washington, Washington state, University of Oregon, Cal state Northridge. Uh, so teams like that really started to really take off for me. So I was really excited when after I went to that tryout and things kind of just really progressed from there. What was it about University of Washington that ultimately drew you to say yeah. that's where I want to go? Very cool story actually. I we were down playing for the Pirates actually. We were down in the Washington area playing in a couple of tournaments. I think it was we were in Chehalis playing in some tournaments and and I uh, went down there and they had been texting me like, Hey, you got to come for a visit. You got to come check out the place. So I'm like, Oh yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely want to do this. So on the Saturday we went down, uh, we went down to university of Oregon, toured university of Oregon, um, which was really cool. I mean, it was impressive. All the equipment, all the gear, all the Nike stuff which was really cool. I was obviously impressed. And, but then we went, 
Iowa. Then one of the coaches texted me that day saying, hey, you got to come down here whenever you're down here. I heard you're down here for a tournament. You got to come in for a visit. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. What? How do you guys think we're coming home tomorrow? We'll stop in Seattle and come for a visit. And it was a Sunday. And usually the way I view it Sundays is people, like you know, they take that off to be with their families, go to church, whatever. Uh, but every single member of the coaching staff came in and saw me on that Sunday, Sunday morning it was. And, you know, that kind of really resonated with me that people, these guys are willing to take the time away from their families, take the time away from uh, their Sunday and, and come and talk with me and meet with me and really made me feel like a high priority, like someone they really wanted to come to the program. And it made me feel really part of like the family, you know, so it was a really, from there on, it was kind of an easy decision for me. I got along with the coaches really well. I had a great meeting with them when I went there and just kind of what they envisioned for me for the future of, of the program and what I was going to do in the program. So, I mean, from there, it really just took off and created a great relationship with them. And it was, it was a super easy decision from there on out. And uh, were, were there any other schools that you were really, really, really considering at that, that point? Or is it just yeah. once you had that, once you had that uh, specific school visit, it was just like, okay, I know I made my decision. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a big, big factor in, in making that decision. There were still some schools that obviously I had interest in. Um, Washington State, Oregon, Kansas were the mainly other schools that I was talking to. But that was just a kind of – that kind of tipped the scales in terms of, yeah, this is kind of an easier decision now. What was that like, that conversation like with your parents – talking with them and trying to like walk through this this recruiting process and trying to decide on a on a school to go because i would assume you know a lot of people they you know they tend more often than not like to stay closer to home but Uh you're not only leaving your home you're you're going to you know a different country but granted it's not that far away but it's it's clearly you know you're going to a different country you know yeah, and that's the one thing. They were pretty – once it kind of started to pick up, they really got in tune with how the recruiting process was working and all that stuff. And they realized, like, hey, if University of Kansas were to be, like, kind of – I would say, hey, I want to go there, they would be okay with it. And they were, they were great in that regard and how it was my decision. on, Just like it was going to box. So it was my decision at the end of the day and whatever I felt most comfortable uh, with the coaching staff, with the players, wherever I felt like my development was going to be in the best hands. And at the end of the day, we, I felt and, and they felt too that University of Washington was the best place for, for me. And obviously it was an added bonus that it was so close to home, but um, they would have been happy with wherever I went and wherever I, cho- wherever I chose to go. Excellent. Now, fast forwarding to 2017, your mm-hmm. freshman year at University of Washington, yeah. Um, you had to, you ended up having to red shirt, um, explain mm-hmm. to us, you know, what, why you ended up having to red shirt that year. Um, so in my freshman year, about, I don't know, I probably got into a few games and kind of started to feel kind of going into my freshman year that summer, I took the summer off cause, uh, our, my arm wasn't feeling great. And then I took the summer off to see if the rest time would make it feel better, which it did. And in the fall, I came to Washington in the fall, felt good kind of as the winter went on, felt good. And then as we started to pick up, kind of as the new year came in, it started to kind of bug me. My elbow started to bug me again. And um, I continued to throw through a little bit of pain, 
just because I wanted to be out there my freshman year, make a good impression. Um, you know, everybody's excited for their freshman year. And so, uh, and I was hoping to play a predominant role um, on the team. So um, I, I fought through a little bit of pain and then I got to a point where we were in Gonzaga and I pitched and I hadn't, I didn't pitch very well. And I just, I told the coaches, I said, you know what, man, I, I need to get this looked at like something's not right. I don't feel like myself out there. I don't feel comfortable. Um, so we had gone to University of Oregon that weekend. So I had to say it and watch in the stands. And when we got home that Monday, I had an MRI and it showed that I had a partial UCL tear, and which means that you have two options. Well, you got three options, really. You got surgery with full-blown reconstruction surgery. It was known as Tommy John surgery. Um, you could do PRP injection, which they take blood platelets and put it into your elbow and you take a little bit of time off and let that try to regenerate in there. And the other option was to take some rest again and try and throw again. And uh, I didn't want to do the PRP because it hasn't been a hundred percent proven um, to work effectively. And then I didn't want to do the rest and throw again because uh, I had done that and it, and my symptoms came back. Um, so really the only option was to have, Tommy John surgery and obviously anytime you have surgery there's risk and um, I knew that and I was just really confident in the way I knew how I was going to work and through my rehab and through my throwing program and, and the whole process going on there that I knew that coming out on the other side I was going to be okay but definitely a hard thing to do you know to, to rip away the, the game so quickly away from me was was something that I had to deal with and it was not something easy it was very hard. You know, it probably had to made you feel pretty comfortable knowing that where the surgery has come, especially oh, yeah. Tommy John surgery, where it's come from when it started to where it's at, you know, now in that, that recovery process and in the whole medical field. I mean, that, that must have like put your mind to a little rest anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just come so far leaps and bounds in the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years. And, yeah, it definitely helped me a lot and, and definitely put my mind at ease a little bit and seeing how a lot of guys are coming back with success stories and not just coming back coming back and pitching again, but coming back and being even better, throwing harder, being better pitchers, you know, just so that helped me a lot. What was that recovery process like for you from uh, when you got to surgery to when you when you started coming back and throwing? Yeah, so it was very hard, you know, at first it was, there wasn't a whole lot going on because I had, uh, when I had the surgery, I was in a soft cast for two weeks or so. So it was a lot of, um, and a brace. So it was a lot of, uh, growing pains and a lot of real pains, um, with my rehab, you know, trying to, as soon as I got the soft cast out, then you try to go through range of movement, range of range of movement. And, uh, it was, it was hard, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, just, it was a slow, long process, but, um, it was just stepping back on the mound when I did. And, um, 12 months later, it was just a full year. I mean, it, it, kids don't realize that. Yeah. Like I said, that the game the game can be taken away so quickly and it just made me appreciate the game so much more and, and how much I love it and how much I love playing the game. And, and uh, but yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth it. And definitely something that I don't wish upon anybody because it is so hard, especially when you love doing something so much and 
but at the end of the day, it was it was the best thing for my career, and and it was the best thing for me at the time. So, wouldn't change anything. So you come back in 2018, your red shirt freshman season, hypothetically mm-hmm. because of the red shirt you took in 2017. Yep. Um, you your team was a pretty good team that year. Um, you end up going and playing in the college world series. Mm-hmm. Um, and you play uh, against Oregon State University that year. Uh, describe that experience of going, having a really good season, and then going into playing in the College World Series. Yeah, very, very unbelievable experience. Unbelievable team. I'll never forget that team. That was probably one of the funnest teams I've ever played on. You know, everybody just got along so well. Everybody enjoyed being around each other. Um, and as much as like that, just the being around each other and 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 enjoying being with each other every day is I think what got us to 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 that level of success and, and being the first Washington program to go to the College World Series in Omaha um was just a huge part of that. I mean, yeah, we had had some talented players, but we all loved we all had that team chemistry. We all loved being around each other and, and at the end of the day I think that's what really got us there. And what was it like to go up against a, a premier school in college athletics on the baseball side at that time with Oregon State? Yeah, obviously very cool. You know, you look at their program, how much success they have of putting out MLB players, professional baseball players, first-round draft picks. Um, so, I mean, that's those are the games that I want to be part of. Those are the games that that you want to pitch in and, and have success. I mean, I want to be the guy on the mound in those games, whether it's good or bad, um, because that's what pushes you to be better as a baseball player. Um, so, yeah, no, being playing against that team that year, which I think had, I uh, think it was like five, four or five first-round draft picks at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, no, just an unbelievable team. Now, going into 2019, um, you had yourself a pretty good year that year. You were uh, a Golden Spikes Award mid-season uh, and Watts, uh, Watton List? Or? It was a watch list. Watch, watch list. Yeah, sorry. My yeah. spelling's a little off there. You were uh-huh. the Golden Spikes Award mid-season watch list, and you were second in the Pac-12 with 101 strikeouts that season. Uh-huh. How were you – I mean – Again, yeah, there's a year in between your 2017 season, so then 2018 you're coming back. How were you feeling in 2018, 19 at that point? Yeah, I mean that was a. F- they say with the with the surgery, it takes like a. So I had the first full year um, back from the surgery where I threw in 2018, and it felt good. You know, it didn't feel like I didn't feel completely normal back because I had been out for so long for a whole year. Um, and then 2019 is when they say that second year, when your first second year out of surgery, that's when you start to really feel like you're back to normal and back to yourself. And it, it couldn't have been more true. Like I felt, I felt great last year, you know, I mean, it felt like I was back to myself, back to being a kid on the mound, having fun and loose and just having a good time and, and healthy and happy. So, I mean, yeah, it was obviously a great year. I mean, personally, I, I really enjoyed being part of the team that we had, you know, we had a bunch of great guys on the team, which made it a lot, a lot of fun for me and seeing a lot of the guys on that team have the success that they did. And so, you know, it was just, it was a great experience at, at University of Washington and, 
just so many great players that I played with, so many good people that I still keep in contact with. So just a great place. Great, great people too. Now, your 2019 season was your last season at University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you you were thinking about at some point um, wanting to go pro that season. Like, what what was that deciding factor? Like, what what made you say, okay, now's the now's the time. Not don't come back one more year. This mm-hmm. year's the time to go take that leap to uh, the professional level. Uh, yeah, I just felt super ready. Like, I felt prepared. I mean, even coming out of high school, I felt I felt ready, but I wasn't completely there yet. But once I played my three years, kind of, I went through some hardship with the surgery and then had success coming out of the <clears throat> over the top of that and having some success. I felt like, you know what, I'm really ready for the rigors of professional baseball and I'm ready to to start my professional career and start making a living doing this. And, and you know, the Cubs – fortunate enough absolutely honored to that they gave me the the opportunity to, to do that and to live out my dream and and you know man it's just just an unbelievable experience yeah i mean you coach meg said this of you his low to mid 90s fastball is complemented by a wipe out slider that will serve him well at the pro level the cubs got a good pitcher here as josh's best innings are ahead of him and so you were drafted in the fifth round pick 162 by the cubs what was that feeling like to be picked by it's just a storied organization like the cubs yeah so cool i mean they were one of the teams that were kind of on our radar in terms of before the draft and teams that might might pick me but just you know just such a cool cool organization to be drafted by you know Wrigley Field Chicago Cubs so much history so much just everything there so much success at the big league level recently and just such a such a cool cool thing and you know I mean I'm I'm absolutely honored and blessed to be part of the organization they're great people you know they're really really dialed in on the, the player development side now. And it's just, yeah, it's just a very, it was a very surreal experience, something that I dreamed about for ever since I was a little kid. And just to have it come true is very emotional and just a very amazing, just very, very good experience. It was, it was great. So you get, you get drafted, you end up playing in Eugene um, in the Northwest league. Mm-hmm. How quickly was that turnaround? from being drafted to then going to playing in Eugene, did you go somewhere else down to like Arizona and do some, some workout, get some, Hey, here's, here's the basic things of playing minor league ball. Here's getting you into the system. Talk to us about that. What was that process like? And then let's talk about Eugene. Yeah. So the, the, once we got drafted, the whole signing process and, getting getting that all done happened pretty quickly and then the whole process of going to Arizona was really fast um so yeah I went down to Arizona for three weeks um before after I got drafted before I went to Eugene three or four weeks and yeah like you said it's they really wanted to introduce you to what uh minor league the minor league system was going to be about um how it all ran and what the the flow of it all was going to be and 
Um, so we were down there for three to four weeks because we had taken taken a little bit of time off after the season was over before the draft. Um, so then they wanted to build us our arms back up a little bit again t- so that we can go out and play for the rest of the summer. And um, So, yeah, we were in Arizona for three to four weeks, and then we headed off to Eugene. And in Eugene, you uh, you play for the Eugene Emeralds at that point. Um, and in PK Park, which is a familiar location for you because you played there um, against the University of Oregon for University of Washington. So, I mean, while it wasn't home, you still had to at least felt comfortable with going in and, and playing there, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I threw one of my best games probably – in that 2019 year at UW at PK Park. So definitely something I was very comfortable with, um, had been there before. So yeah, I know it was very, very nice. It was, again, another thing close to home. my family came a few weekends. So that was really nice. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was great being back in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I loved it. Now, before we jump off the Emeralds, I just got to ask. So the Emeralds has like this Sasquatch type, mascot character yeah i'm not sure how that that comes about emeralds and a sasquatch did they explain that to you by any chance no absolutely not i didn't get it i didn't ask the question i don't know i just rolled with the punches i don't know it was it was odd to me too but they have some pretty cool hats i mean i'm a hat person yeah i still got my hats they're very nice yep and then um and so you know, it's really interesting to 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 really take a bigger dive into your uh, your history as a uh, as a player and and growing up in in Nanaimo. Um, when when your playing career is all said and done, um, you know, what do you what do you think that you will or where do you see yourself uh, with Nanaimo baseball and? In, in giving back to the community? Um, I think as much living out here, it's a little tough, but um, as much and whenever I go back, I always want to do things for the community, whether small or big. Um, I definitely want to be, be able to do some things with it. And I'm a minor baseball. Whenever I go back, um, help out with the pirates, help out coach here and there with some guys, you know, just have an influence wherever I can have an influence, whether it be in a long period of time or a short period of time. I think just the game of baseball in itself gave so much to me that I feel like I owe and owe so much back to it that wherever I am um, and wherever I go, I just really want to be part of the game and have an influence on the game and uh, whether that's in Nanaimo. It's out here in Vauxhall. I, I just want to have an impact on the game whenever my career is over. One thing that I really enjoyed about researching you was, was this. You were asked at one point, what do you love or why do you love baseball? You said this, I love baseball because there is no better feeling than stepping between the lines with all of my brothers. Like what, what made you – why is that? Like, what made you think of that when asked about that question? Yeah. Um, for me, it's just, you know, I've created such good relationships through the game and, and so many great friendships that I still keep with me. It's just, for me, it was, 
once I got, once I was around people for a certain amount of time, they became family and there's no better feeling. Like I said, in that quote, you know, there's no better feeling than, than going on the field with your family and going on the field with your brothers. So for me, it was all about competing with those guys and, and, and nothing's a better feeling than that, whether at any stage of my career, whether that's at university at Washington or whether that's in pro ball or whether that was at Vauxhall or in an MO, there was just, I always got connected and got close with the people that were on my teams and, and created great friendships that turned into to being like a big family. So yeah, it's just no better feeling than that. Last question for you. What do you think it means to the community of Nanaimo and the residents there to have a, I guess a higher level play like um the new team for the west coast league to be coming in there and and playing and having this talent that you that's coming from all over either the canada or the united states and maybe some other countries to play there like so what do you what do you think that one what's this going to be like for the community and two like how how is this going to be received by the community it's going to be great for the community. I think they've been ready. And ever since the Harbor cats came in, I think they were ready for something like this. You know, I know of a lot of people from the Nanaimo area that go down to Victoria Harbor cats games because they love watching the level of, of competition and the level of play and just the entertainment value. People love, people love baseball and, and Nanaimo and they love going to games, sitting down and watching games. So we saw a lot of people from the Nanaimo area going down to the Harbor Cats games, and I think it's going to be received very well from the community. You know, people are going to really enjoy having that level of play there and having just different people come from some different parts of the of the world. You know, you're going to have guys coming from Texas, from New York, from California, you know, all over the place. You're going to have different personalities. So I think it's going to be just great for the community and, and great for the players. I highly recommend to the players that, that are playing in, in college baseball that have Nanaimo as an option to go play summer ball to do it because it's a beautiful, beautiful place to play, a beautiful place to be in the summertime. And, and you couldn't find probably you're going to, you're going to see some of the best crowds in that West coast league, probably in Nanaimo. Where do you go eat in Nanaimo? Uh, there's a couple places. places. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big, there's this one place. Uh, there's one place, uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, I haven't been there in so long. Uh, that's uh, close to my house, my parents' house. Um, they had the best field colors there. You know, I eat field colors there. It was just delicious. Excellent. Well, you know, Josh, we really appreciate you taking your time to sit down with us and be a part of Cobol. And uh, so, Thank you very much for sharing with us your history. And uh, I'm just going to leave it with you for last thoughts to end this inning. Yeah, I mean, and thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. I, I love talking about the game. I love talking about the community. And um, I just I just want people to realize that, you know, how, how passionate the city of Nanaimo is about baseball and how, how it is a small – tight-knit community but they really are they love their they love the sport they love baseball and and there's not much more else you can say about it so you know i appreciate you having me on and and let me uh talk about it and 
and say what I had to say about it. And I really appreciate it. And I'm honored. So thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And that'll do it for this inning. Shortly after having my conversation with Josh, I sat down with his parents, Carla and Ron Bergman, to discuss Josh and his background and for them to share their story with me about Josh. And here is that interview. For the record, can I have you both state your name, please? Yeah, I'm Carla. And I'm Ron Bergman. Thank you for for joining uh, me. My first question that I have for the two of you is, what do you remember regarding when Josh first started playing baseball? Um, I think we have both, we have similar, we have different recollections of his first, uh, experience with baseball. Um, for me personally, I remember he was young. He wanted to play some form of baseball and in our hometown, um, there was softball and there was baseball, but we weren't familiar with the baseball scene. So we signed him up for softball, um, mainly because when we learned that, he had to hit off a tee in baseball. He didn't want to have any of that. <laughs> so he, uh, we ended up doing both because he wanted to hit, play with friends and um, they were playing softball and he wanted to hit the ball from a person, not off a tee. That's my first recollection of Josh in the, in the baseball world. And mine more so was that uh, he had kind of, we went to a kind of a, a learning kind of uh, to throw baseball and what have you. And they run a little bit of a tournament in the local town here. And he was probably only like six or seven years old, maybe not, maybe five or six. And uh, they actually ran a tournament and they had a select team that came from Victoria that he got the pitch for the very first time. And, uh, he actually did very well against uh, kids that were two years older than him and kind of got the scene kind of started for us all in baseball. Ron, Josh talked about people coming up to him and saying, gosh, you know, you and your dad, you play catch all the time. And why, <laughs> you know, when do you, when are you going to stop playing catch? So talk to you playing catch with your son. Well, it was just, he was obsessed with the game and so he never he wanted to throw the ball all the time he was you know he he, he could throw it well and uh, and so he would be we would come in the house and or we'd be at the lake and honestly he would uh, he wouldn't take any time at all before he would want to go back out and throw again so we would be repeatedly probably in a in a daytime we'd probably go four or five times out and throw people were always giving me a bad time because they said we we're throwing too much, but <laughs> I couldn't, I obviously couldn't stop them from throwing. Right? My next question is Josh had played for the pirates and the Nanaimo pirates, but then he had an opportunity to, to go to Vox hall. Yeah. Describe to us what you were feeling and what that decision process was like for you, the two of you, when when Josh brought that to your attention and how you guys felt when he and you made that decision. Um, I think it, the gravity of the decision to take him there and to allow him to have that experience didn't really hit us until the day that we were driving away. And... Um, 
But the decision actually to go there was probably more of the, we, we felt like he, he did have a talent and we felt at the time and we were trying to yeah. see what was the best way to try to develop him. We had looked at a number of different academies at the time and we did have a coach that we had uh, when he played his last year of playing uh, junior pirates here in Nanaimo that uh, his brother had actually played at, uh, had played at Vauxhall and ended up getting drafted in the draft. But uh, we had talked with him and he kind of had some influence with the coaching staff at Vauxhall to recommend him. And so then that sort of started the dialogue. And then we all kind of warmed up to the idea about trying to take him to the a next level as far as the baseball world would go. And we felt this was kind of an opportunity and kind of put all of the things together. We all talked as a family and sort of then had the conversation with them at Vauxhall and sort of that, how it's kind of all came together. Let's fast forward to Josh was at Vauxhall. He's in his junior, senior year there. And he's really diving into that recruitment process for college. Not only does he, he, get you know recruited to go to college but he also gets drafted so let's talk about your your thoughts and feelings on josh's college recruitment his attendance him deciding to go to university of washington but also that choice of not going to the major league baseball after being drafted by the cardinals yeah our our main goal and in getting josh to um call our main goal to t go to Vauxhall was the opportunity to play college baseball, whether it was at a JUCO division one, division two, we didn't know at the time when he left home to go there in grade 10, we just had aspirations of getting his education somewhat paid for. So as time went on and other opportunities arose with respect to like the junior national team exposure, being on team Canada, those things were all factored into um, his college recruitment process. Uh, tournament 12, um, all those opportunities that came along with the exposure that he was getting. So it was manifesting very quickly. And, you know, we had a hard time keeping up with it all. And he, Josh really handled it very well during that whole process. We really just tagged along with him. We helped guide him. We, we wanted to support him with whatever decision he was going to be making. Um, as a family, we really hoped that he would go and have the college experience because we really did feel like he would have a better opportunity after three years of development at university. Um, so it was, it was, um, you know, getting to the University of Washington was, you know, he had other opportunities. He went on some other visits. Um, we, we took him to some other schools. We asked if we could, you know, they've showed some interest in him. We went for unofficial visits, drove him all over Oregon and Washington. He, he really wanted to try and stay on the West Coast, but he wasn't adverse to going away either. He wanted to be in a big comp. He yeah. wanted to play in where he could compete against the best that he felt. Yeah. So he had the three big conferences that he kind of had decided the 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 conference that had uh, when he was sort in his, in that year we actually got an invite to go to Lewiston, Idaho to go and do uh, an area code tryout, and it was at that point that the three universities 
up here, the Washington State, Washington, and actually Oregon, had actually all had re had uh, had conversation with us, and we had actually had some unofficial visits at that time, and we it really boiled down to them three at the end, just because we felt like selfishly in some ways we wanted them to be somewhere closer to home so that we could see them more but in the same token we wanted him to be at a good school and something that where he wanted to be at as well and probably it boiled down to Washington and Oregon were probably the two candidates and it just boiled up we really liked the pitching coach at Washington probably at the end of the day and that probably really sold us on why we went to Washington yeah fast forward to his uh freshman season redshirt season there at uh, university of washington he had some arm problems uh and then ended up getting tommy john surgery yeah you know carla you know i, I gotta have a feeling that that had a, a major impact you know like on you as, as a mother and and just how you felt with oh my god my you know maybe his dream is gone and, you know, he's, he's got to get surgery, you know, maybe what's he going to do after that? And that, that's the first part. And then Ron with you, it's, I got to imagine as a, as a fatherly figure, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, there, you know, we've, he's worked so hard to, to get to this point, you know, and it's like every father is like, Oh my God, no, my, my boy, I, you know, I want him to succeed and so on. So, um, so Carla, starting off with you, like how did this impact you? And how do you think it impacted Josh and then to you, Ron, also? Yeah, we, we to, to be perfectly honest, um, Ron, Ron will speak for himself, but we, we had very different um, reactions to the whole scenario. I, I really went into a position of uh, denial. I didn't really want to believe that it was um, what was required. And I think just because... I did, he worked so hard to get to where he was and um, I just went into a very negative place to start with but then once you start um, researching it and learn more about it we didn't know anybody really close to us that had had Tommy John surgery we knew of a couple couple kids I guess at that point um, but in fair you know again Josh is I'm not even kidding like if he pulls us right out of it and um, he was so positive about it. Initially, you know, he was a bit down in the dumps about it, but he, you know, if, he really um, amazed us through the whole process and educated us and really helped guide us through. But Ron can speak to him for himself. But um, yeah, it was, it was hard for me. Very hard. And uh, for myself, I, I, I do agree. I mean, when, when, you, when the doctors finally had said to us that this was what was happening, of course, that, that is the, some of the first thoughts that we did have is that, you know, though we had heard that there, the success rate was much better, that, but you still don't know that it's that unknown. And it, 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 it kind of give, it shook us all. I mean, I could just recall, you know, going with them and sitting in the, in the doctors. And when we finally said, yeah, we're going to go for it because he said that, you know, if we, 
if we try to just nurture it and think that it would heal if we just took rest that it, we would we would lose another year and so we <clears throat> we kind of calculated all that along with it but at the end of the day i mean right up to the time that we walked out of that office and he agreed that yeah this is what we're going to do that was the first time that i i'd seen him uh, uh shed a tear it was an emotional time well the good news is is that it was a successful surgery yeah and he was able to to move on um from that and i know that I know that the decision and the choice, you know, as he described, was ultimately like one that he made. But, you know, he knew that that was the right decision. And I'm glad that um, and then happy to know that he had some great you know, parents behind him um, through this. Now, let's jump into let's jump yeah, into some fun. I have to interject there, too. Sorry, Ben. Yeah, no, go ahead. We were, I, I think, in all honesty, like we we were so appreciative of the fact that he was at the university of Washington too, like to have the surgery right there within a couple of days of deciding to have surgery. And they looked after him like from the start to the finish. Like if we had brought him back to Canada and been gone to a surgeon and said, our son needs the surgery. We, who knows how long we would have been on a wait list or whatever, but I'm just saying that the care that he received there was phenomenal as well. Yeah, that's great. Um, now let's let's jump forward. So, you know, Josh played well at the University of Washington, and you know, you got to play some really good teams. Went to the uh, College World Series. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 jump into the the moment that Josh really started having the conversation with the two of you, and 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 how did you feel like the moment he said, "Mom, Dad." I want to go play major league baseball and this is what's going on. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that uh, I can be successful at this. Yeah. We, you know, in the, in the, I wouldn't say it was a short term goal because entering, it was always a discussion. Okay. You're going to go to school. You're going to get your education. We're okay. If you only do three years of that education and you want to go play pro ball, we know the end goal is now that you want to play pro ball you know, as phenomenal as that, like that, I remember, I still remember the day where it was like, this is a possibility. Like this, this is unreal. And we're just a small town kid from Nanaimo who is going to get a chance to play pro ball. Like it was amazing. So to have that recollection and that moment was like, okay, I think, you know, this is, this is going to happen for him. So it was always that plan, sort of that grand plan that You'll go play, you'll, you'll do the college thing. You'll develop some more and then let's see what happens. And we'll just let the cards fall where they may. You do your best. There's no pressure. And um, we'll, we'll just see what happens. But we, but we really seen the opportunity that he was a, a, a prospect in the fact that coming out of high school, that we got drafted by the Cardinals and we actually had the scout for the Cardinals actually sitting in our house with our whole family sitting around Mm -hmm. open to discussions and talking about things and about where you could possibly go or 
how you think you are against some of the best guys that are going to go into that draft that year. And, yeah, that was surreal. And it was it was a bit of a surreal moment for us because you know he talked back to the scout without any kind of not feeling like he was not mm-hmm. confident at all. He he wasn't arrogant about it, but he just had that he felt confident about who he was and in in the shoes he was walking in. And so that when I say that, you know, when we had gone through that draft and that rocked him a little bit, but it did drive him to say that he wanted to go to the university now and he wanted to be successful there to take the next step. And, you know, that's why it was a bit of a rocky bump that we went through the surgery and we come out on the backside of that. And he started to, to start to build towards where he ended up being. But when we went to the when we went to the World Series, we still probably weren't fully there yet. We probably didn't get there till that that third year that he was at the university that we really started to see some of the things that they the potential that they had seen all along in him is starting to flourish with him. So, yeah. I got two questions left for you, and then we can we'll end it because I know it's getting late. Oh, so, what was the difference between that conversation with the scout? when you got drafted out of high school versus the conversations you were having after the draft and with the Cubs organization? It was the first time around, it was, we didn't have an advisor the first time around. Um, so the second time around, it was more, we weren't having a lot of interaction directly. Josh was managed, Josh managed that school, you know, rehab, playing, everything he managed that himself um three years later like it was pretty amazing like we didn't have much involvement directly so we're pretty that was pretty proud we were pretty proud of him for that and the way he handled himself but um having an advisor through all of that that we trusted was a key component for him and for us to be able to speak to them too directly so that was good yeah what would you say well, I, I just, yeah, and I, I agree is that the, at the end of it, he, you know, he had all of them interactions with, with them scouts directly. Yeah. And I don't think we had so much of that when he was coming out of high school. There was a few, I'm not going to say that there wasn't, but you know, in them, in that, especially in that uh, ju- junior year when he was, you know, they had a designated day that the scouts could talk to the kids and that's basically how the coach kind of put it together. And, you know, I, I got to say that probably every, every day that of that week that they had for him, they, you know, they had somebody in the scouting system actually talking to him. And, and like I said, he, like my wife said, he, he did handle that very well. And, the, you know, and that was some of the comments that came back from some of the guys is that, you know, his interview with, with, I think the, I don't know, was the guy from Texas or, it was one of the scouts and I can't remember, but he said it was the best interview. You know, he had been doing this for over 20 years and it was one of the best interviews that he had ever had with a kid. So we, that, that made me feel pretty good about what, what, where he was in the process. Last question. This is a great one. <laughs> how, how did you feel that first moment when you saw your son? I mean, you've, you've been there to see him play in minor ball been to see him play at, for Vox Hall prestigious uh, high school program you saw him play for a uh, high end university 
But what's it like sitting there in the stands knowing that your son is out there playing something that he loves and now he's getting paid to play what he loves? Yeah, it was a pretty surreal moment. Can't lie to you about that. He, you know, it'd been that build up for all his childhood years and all of our running around to ballparks and all of our, you know, <clears throat> chasing that dream for him and following Will on with him. And, you know, that all combinating to that day that that actually, uh, it, yeah, it was a pretty surreal moment. Absolutely. What about you, Carla? How was is, how is that feeling for you? I don't know if I can talk about it without crying. You know, the, the, the first game back after Tommy John surgery was a big one for me. We were in Oregon. So for him to go back to Oregon and have that moment again on a, on a professional field, although it was a different field, was huge. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we're just so blessed that we were able to be there, that, you know, it's on the West Coast and we were able to go and we'll continue to do that. That's the thing. You know, he'll have a moment in AA, he'll have a moment in AAA and we'll be there. It's a big deal. Yeah, and uh, it, it's amazing and, you know, just where he, what he's been able to accomplish has been phenomenal, small, small area, small town, small, you know, high school, then going and and then playing to where, you know, he was at and what he's done and overcome uh, just shows a lot of his upbringing. Um, So I I just, my last thing, I'll leave it to you. Anything else that you want to, the two of you'd like to say about your son? <laughs> we could talk all night. Um, we're just so darn proud. We're just, uh, you know, we're we're along for the ride. But that's all we've ever said about him is that uh, we'll we'll support him and guide him as as long as he uh, wants to do this, and and we'll always be here. That's Absolutely. the biggest thing. Yeah, we're the we're we're the support train. Yeah, and he's got lots of family that support him as well. So I mean, uh, kudos to them because they. They all follow him very closely and religiously as well. So, I mean, it's, uh, no, it's been good. Even the community, I mean, he's just been home here just now for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, even the local guys, you know, they're all saying, you know, they're, they're rooting for him. He's lucky he's got two communities behind him. That is correct, Carla and Ron. They, he does have two families, a baseball family and his own personal family. And uh, thank you to Josh also for sitting down and talking with me. Uh, I greatly appreciate uh, the conversation from the Bergmans there. That'll do it for this inning of Coal Ball.